That's right. Back again. Wendy's Boutique Limited. Wendy'sLimited.com. We have another commercial here with our outstanding promoter here. And we're here to, with a promotional here to remind you that Wendy'sLimited.com is bringing you all the hottest new couture apparel and women's clothing, awesome new kicks and shoes, awesome new flats and uh, Prada purses, right? You got to go check out all the Hermes uh, jewelry, Hermes uh, bracelets, fine jewelry at Wendy'sLimited.com. That's right. We really need you guys to come on and support Wendy'sLimited.com. Become part of the movement. We need you guys to be a part of the a Public Square Florida excitement. We're on Public Square, of course, Wendy'sLimited.com. And uh, she's uh, courageous to come on here and support this program. So we need you to support Looking Glass Forum and go check out Wendy'sLimited.com. Wendy'sLimited.com has all the hottest new styles and designer uh, labels. All the latest craze and the trends and couture women's fashion. You got to check out Wendy'sLimited.com. Of course, uh, we uh, found out just recently they canceled Balenciaga, right? Wendy'sLimited.com. Don't put it past them. They're not going to take any of that garbage. All family-oriented, pro-family, pro-American. Wendy'sLimited.com. Wendy'sLimited.com. <laughs> So here we are back again. We're doing some catch up here with Looking Glass Forum. And we've just been working a lot here. Lots of projects here in Florida. The work is really like stepped up noticeably. The economy is, is red hot, white hot. I don't know how it is where you live, but here in the free state of Florida, we're just really, really banging. And uh, we got Trump here. We got DeSantis here. We got a new, a newly, um, Reimagined Disney program, much more closer to the people, less woke. We have less people talking about their sex life in the classroom. So uh, don't say gay, Bill, which I like that. Don't say gay. Don't say uh, heterosexual. Don't say sexuality at all. Just teach the civics class. Teach the, the, the uh, home ec class. Teach the uh, history class and shut up. That's really what we need from our teachers. We don't need them trying to be like Aristotelian uh, degradation of the youth to destroy the the civilization in that uh, in that demoralization process as, as they get older, right? So you know that's what that's what the left is always trying to do. They're trying to get a hold of the young people, demoralize, debase, debauch, and pervert them in every way they can. And then as those kids grow up, they're the next generation, and systematically. These, these are these are literally lecherous elementary school perverted pigs. I mean, remember the outbreak of the of the blonde twenty year old, the Barbie doll looking uh, school or, or middle school teacher who would be always you know every six months there would be one banging like a fifteen year old in the class or, you know after class or whatever. There was that kind of phenomenon going on. So that that, that was kind of the symptomatic nature of the beleaguered public classroom situation as it's de being debased and demoralized. And it's that, pro that process taking place over time. It was all up in, in the academic and the, the teachers, unions, right? All the, the teachers who have tenure, right? Can't get rid of them. And then they can just go in and spend those hours with your child, with somebody's child, just filling their ear with pollution 
and, uh, and, you know, and basically molesting your kid academically, ideologically, right? Touching, touching up on your kid and, and actually physically in these, in these cases where the people can't keep their hormones in check and just, it's all politics. It's all just control. It's all power. And so, you know, the, the whole situation is not to get the, the best, most acclimated, most profoundly gifted individuals to get them around our kids to raise the next generation of geniuses and world leaders and statesmen and, and uh, the strongest, most powerful civil society academically and intellectually, right? That's, that's, their, that's their goal. But instead of those young minds, they're molding them. And, and so are the, uh, the tech elite with these phones, Every 11-year-old, 10-year-old has got to have a phone now, right? On be on TikTok. And so you have Chinese, it's not just Silicon Valley, it's the Chinese now, like, molding your kids and hitting them with, the, the, you know, they can, they can put them into an algorithm and see how to hit your kid with whatever they're insecure with and get them all, you know, puking or, or having, like, stuttering. But, you know, being on TikTok so many hours a day, they start stuttering. You know, we have issues here as a nation, as a, as a world kind of politic, Real politique, right? And we have to figure out how we're going to proceed as a people, you know, based on what happens next. And if our leaders in the fifth column and those who are inside the gates, who are going to open up the, you know, the flood, the flood walls and open up the, the, the security, if you want, of our whole society to our enemies while we're asleep... If those individuals are going to destroy our children every time we turn our back and leave them with to school to learn arithmetic and science. So when they come out in college, they're just Bill Ayers, Obama, and Michael, Michael Obama, right? They want to call her Michelle, but it's, isn't it Michael? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm starting to be convinced more and more now of the lunacy of that. There was once where I was, you know, I was so... My mind was so unprepared to, to accept that poss- the possibility of that reality. Like, I'm questioning the, the moon landing, but I, it's hard for me to see uh, that Michelle is not a girl, a lady. Right? So that, that kind of explains where, you know, when we bring Obama into the scene, you know, the guy who changes his name, like, you know, Muhammad Ali. He's not a Muslim, though. He's a straight, straight guy who loves Michael. He's a, so it, it wouldn't be obscene to have, like, a strange trans uh transgender first lady right i mean it, so then the, the, of course everybody asks where malia and you know came from of course if you if you follow the laptop from hell with hunter biden you know very well that there's images on there of all the people that hunter was banging which is gross it's pornographic right it's, it goes to the to the nature of our, our whole society being de- debased by pornography I and mean, that's why uh, Biden's going down. It's all the illegal transactions and the disgusting illegal porno on Hunter Biden's laptop. And that's why Trump's going down, right? He's going down hard because of what? Because of porno, because of what's her face. People don't, they, they don't want to believe it. She, she did it. They did do it. They didn't do it. He's just being accused wrongly. He's just getting his just rewards. For whatever reason, Trump got way too close to pornography and then it blew, it blows up in his face, just like what's going on with Biden, right? So that's that's the problem of our whole entire nation, is that we're all a bunch of um, jerk offs hiding in some bathroom somewhere, like spanking our monkeys to our five G phones, looking at pornography. And I mean, I, <laughs> the only reason I say that is because 
if you just look at the stats and the numbers, and if you go to some of the uh, the real tech elites, they, of course they're going to tell you that I mean, they can they can they can pinpoint your time of pornographic pleasure, right? They can tell when your phone uses it. They, there's no way to hide it, not really. You can kind of hide it for most people, but the people who are bringing you all these services, you can't hide it from them. Your, your keystrokes on your phone, can't hide it, guys. So that's the problem of repenting. It doesn't just go, oh, Lord, please. I'm nominee Patrice. Okay, you're covered. You did the Holy Communion, which we transubstantiated magically. This little wafer into the real body of Jesus Christ in your mouth. That's Christianity. That's normal. And so since you did that, and you went into that little booth over there, that little intelligence uh, operation, that clandestine intelligence gathering booth over there, and you told us all your secrets, we told you, because we're Rome, we told you, you're clear. Dun, 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 dun. Magic, right? Good. So it doesn't require any repentance. It just requires you to do the ritual, and then you can just carry on doing what you're doing, and the sin is covered each time, right? You just go in and, oh, I, I jerked off to my vote again. Father Mulligan, please. Uh, you know, and of course, Father Mulligan, you know, He's a healthy guy, right? He's been um, he's been married for thirty years with children and grandchildren, so he's totally sexually normal, right? Of course, right? Not, not, not so much. The numbers show not so much. That guy's probably when you're not looking in the back, messing with around with your kid, right? Or the altar boys, right? I mean, Rome <laughs> gotta have the altar boys. That's normal. That's normal Christianity, right, guys? Let's just admit to ourselves. Let's admit. How normal Rome is. How we should all be like them. Right? Because if we could do Roman religion and Roman ritualism, Christianity, and have the, uh, the, the guy up there, the father, the pattern, uh, the pattern oster, or whatever, have him uh, clear our sins for us from, from God, then we'll all be better off. Right? That's how it looks to me. So, now having said all that, it's, it's strange now because we're in a position where we as a nation, having been founded on profound Christian principles, having been part of the massive echo and the avalanche of the, uh, the great outbreak of the Protestant Reformation, we kind of chart it to uh, 1517, around the time of Martin Luther, when he took the Pope's uh, declarations and anathemas or whatever they were and just whipped them in the fire and said, this is just from hell. You know, whatever he said. He said something awesome. So we burn that, we burn the papal declarations, and we move on, and to, you know, eventually we get these kind of Lutheran churches, and we get these kind of, which was ultimately in Germany. And we have, of course, uh, John Calvin, who was over in France, and we had individuals like John Huss, and um, other powerful, uh, in Scotland too, powerful individuals who would rise to basically read the word of God. Because before this, in the ages of darkness, the dark ages, which were ultimately uh, instrumentalized by the suppression and prohibition of the papacy over many, many centuries, over all knowledge and understanding, right? So you, you couldn't have any kind of uh, ability to, even as a prince or a king or any kind of lord in any land, in any, any part of the world, whether it was France or England or, or Spain, everyone was under the authority and the absolute censure of the papacy, right? Because it was Christendom. So the papacy had risen to become ultimately this ultimate antichrist figure, the ultimate lord of the church who kind of cut himself in on the godhood a little bit, where he had, he had Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit, and you had the Father, and then you had the Pope in there a little bit. He got like a 3% dig on the thing, too. So whatever the Pope would tell you on earth, you were condemned. If he uh, if he condemned you with some kind of anathema, anathematized you with some kind of sorcery. And so the entire uh, you know, edifice of the Pontifex Maximus being brought to us through ancient pagan Rome and imperial Rome for many, many, many centuries, a thousand years, and then ultimately resting in the person of the papacy, taking on those the powers and the authorities of the of those titular, uh, you know, noble titles. If you want, and they really extend all the way from Babylon. So that's why we're bringing this up. We're pointing out once again that ultimately America was a part of the Renaissance and the Age of Enlightenment of Man and the Great Awakening. Uh, which happened again and again, going forward in time to John Edwards in America, the Great Awakening. And you can see that the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Bible, once it was kind of like reborn on the scene, I think the, the, uh, the old Christians of the way, the ancient Christians back in the day, they had these scriptures. That's why we bring up the Albigensians and the, the Crusades. Once the, once the Muslims whipped the Templar's ass and wimp the, the papacy's ass and all their, their knights and kings and sent them home. They came to take their armies to go trifle with Christians who are out there in the world, like the Christians of Peter Waldo, who were you know, condemned as Gnostics or whatever you want to say, the Cathars even, who had you know, just a very bleak understanding of the, the scriptures, but didn't, didn't accept the authority of the papacy, right? They just did not do it. And since they would not accept the authority of the Pope, they, they all found themselves at the end of Crusader Swords. You know, we call this period the rise of the, the Inquisition. It went all through the, the Alps, and you're going into the, the, the century 1000 and the 1100s and 1200s. And so this entire operation of having total military dominance over the nations under the Church of the Pope and putting people to death under a religious war or whatever you, what have you, was a structure that lasted for many centuries in Europe until it was finally broken by, let's all say together, the Protestant Reformation. That's right, the spiritual and the temporal power of the papacy was broken by the war, the Thirty Years' War. Go look it up. You don't have time for all this. You guys need to catch up on your history. You need to know why America exists. You don't know why. You don't know what you're doing. You got purple hair, right? You can't figure out what's going on with Bitcoin or the Federal Reserve collapse. You know, people don't understand what's going on here. So America was founded on this final push of the Bible, right? The Bible was, was put through the printing press. So these harbingers of, of doom nowadays like to say that how the printing press was a, a technology that harmed mankind and harmed history. Absolutely not. Te- technology is a wonderful thing. And it was wonderful when the Bible, the 1611 King James Bible, was printed in the English language. It was also furnished in the Geneva. It wasn't as good, the Geneva Bible, but the, it was also furnished in German and in French. And when all the people started to read the Bible, guess what happened? They overthrew the Pope. Because there is no Pope in the Bible. The only character in the Bible that even, even re- remotely resembles any figure like the Pope in the Bible is, of course, just the Antichrist. And, and, and nowadays you can see how we're moving into this part of Revelation where you can see the Antichrist rising now because the power of the European Union is going to click like a sundial and eventually Italy is going to be the, the lead nation and the head nation of the European Union and the head of their civil government 
is ultimately going to be the president of the EU, and that individual will be the Pope. So you can see that happening. I think, who is it now? Who is it now? It's kind of like, it goes around in a cycle, and it clicks along, and each, each nation takes a turn, being the head nation of the EU, and you'll see, Italy soon will be that person. And so the entire point of, of resurrecting and constructing the EU was to get to this point. The same thing is true with the United Nations. It's all about restoring the absolute dictatorship and the absolute imperium of the papacy over all the world, over all the earth, just just like it was before, right? So that, that's what happened in 1933 under the Lateran Treaty. The papacy finally received back its civil power. So now it wasn't just some kind of preacher over there at the Bible study, right? Now it was back to having monarchical sovereignty and, and sovereign immunity and, and, and the, the immunity of state by which they can start to print their own money and have their own stamps and have their own legal emissaries. And, you know, they had ambassadors for quite a long time. Rome had ambassadors right into the State Department all the way up to the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. But the State Department knew exactly who was behind the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. It was Jesuit operators and, and really intense fanatical papists in America directed by priests who were ultimately behind the, the, the individuals who pulled the trigger on Lincoln. So that's why right after Lincoln was killed, they cut, they cut any diplomatic ties with the papacy. And that lasted for almost 100 years until the time of Reagan, right? So that's what happened under Reagan, the restoration of the papal diplomacy and the papal ambassadors and the papal prelates back to the State Department, right? So up until then, Ford's Theater was known as a place where Lincoln had been shot by Jesuit assassins. It's the same thing that was true in, uh, in the 1600s with the, with the gunpowder plot. Everyone knew. Remember, remember the 5th of November. The 5th of November, the gunpowder plot, right? Remember, remember. The, so ultimately it was the Jesuit treason and plot was the other, the other chorus in the song. If you know the song entirely, remember, remember the Jesuit treason and plot. Goes along with that whole, whole song. Everyone knew that the gunpowder plot was an attempt by Rome to blow up King James, destroy the King James and his entire family in that line so they could put a Catholic monarch back on the throne because they couldn't have this Protestant monarch, King James, on the throne. Of course, he, he ultimately would lead to the, the printing of the King James Bible and, and ultimately to the Reformation. And what you see today is Lutherans and Mennonites and Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and, 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 and uh, Amish. And in every way that you see the transformation of the church from the absolute universal imperium of Rome to these many individuals who are going to read the scriptures for themselves, begin to follow the scriptures and begin to follow the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it led to the founding of America. That's a fact. Without the Reformation, without the Renaissance and the Great Awakening and the printing of that Bible, there would have been no constitution. There would have been no Bill of Rights. There would have been no writing of, of, our, of our liberties and the, the, the articles of confederation, any, any of that stuff. The, the Declaration of Independence, the language, the, the, the right to have one's own life, liberty, and the pursuit of, pursuit of happiness. It was going to be property. That was sticky. So it was the pursuit of happiness, ultimately. That, the, the, that's what your life, the freedom of your life and the freedom of your liberty would lead, ultimately, that you would have the, the right and the ability to, to lead your own free existence. No longer a slave under a king who was a slave under a pope. Right? So the kings were just papal slaves. 
unless they broke free and they were Protestant kings, in which they were subject to war and assassination, just like Lincoln, just like Kennedy. He was, he was, a, he was a Catholic, but he was also an American. He was an honest man. He stepped away from that authority, and he went to, to do what was right. Even though he was a controversial fellow who obviously couldn't keep his zipper zipped, he had a problem with ladies. He had probably all kinds of issues. When, when he, as, as, a, as a man who, with, uh, who understood his time and place in history, he made the choice to publicly and openly disobey, you know, in front of the eyes of his children and, and of all, all, all people, to disobey and do what was right. And when he did that as a man, that's what really ultimately led to his death. Because they, they'll kill you. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about Vatican assassins. That's what that means. It's about you stepping out of line, trying to think for yourself, trying to do what's right. What, what, what do you think happened to, to, uh, to Galileo? Right? All he did was get the old manuscripts of, uh, of Copernicus and, and begin to do the measurements and, be, and begin to say, hey, the way these, the way these uh, celestial bodies in the horizon are going down over here, it's on a certain curve, which suggests that we're, we're on an orbit. And that these surfaces are, 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 are spheres and not flat. Right? That, that, that's, what, that's what he decided to say out loud. Of course, he had to be brought before the Pope. Like, I always point this out. It's, it's what's going to happen to you in your life when you start to stay at the obvious and begin to resist the, the, the absolute and total mind control, right? The MK Ultra uh, media brainwash system that they got going. Once you decide to, to ultimately kind of step away from that, you will find yourself in, a, in, a, in the hurt locker in your job in your social life, and in, in your accounts when you go on your phone. I think Google Maps is going to work good for you once you become, uh, you know, one of the, the outliers, once you decide to speak out. You think all the, the different attributes of, of Silicon Valley and the, and the technocracy are going to suddenly just work in lockstep for your benefit once they kind of, like, flag you. Right? What about Twitter? Twitter was just some kind of, like, FBI, like, control network. <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. All you morons were on it for like a decade, giving all your information to it. I went on it in the last year because of Elon Musk, right? But really, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I don't care about that. I'm not going to put all my personal, private thoughts and all my waking moments into that network. And later on, you're just a sucker, right? It's time to wake up, guys. It's time for us to work together to become one American family, one American people. And to put these politics aside, there is no two parties in America, right? There's just two opinions of one American people, one American party. That's what this is really all about. Breaking us up, keeping us at each other, keeping us separated, keeping us fighting over abortion crap. Hunter, and we have the two of the most prestigious government officials, the Attorney General and the Secretary of State, with their fingerprints all over this laptop which still has not gotten anyone prosecuted for anything Victor, your thoughts one thing to keep in mind is that hunter biden plays a sick game with his father if his father was rational he would be nowhere near that guy he's a crackhead he's a pornography person he's a wastrel okay but he's now, I mean, he went to Ireland to shepherd Joe around. And when you read some of the disc the email correspondence that has been released, you see this angst on the part of Hunter, that the big guy, that Mr. 10%, 
that he has all of the benefits of selling his office as vice president and the potential for him to be a president someday, but without getting his hands dirty. Whereas Hunter, I guess, I guess he's trying to in, intimate that maybe the sheer corrupt nature of what he's doing has so coarsened him that he's into drugs and prostitutes. I don't know what it is, but he's very bitter that he says that he helps the, the knees, the cyst, all of these people are beneficiaries of his dirty work, and yet they keep their hands clean. So he's very angry. And Joe won't, he won't separate from Hunter because he knows if he does, Hunter is going to spill the beans. It's a very strange, sick relationship they have. Okay, that's one element. And that explains Hunter's centrality and all of these scandals. The other thing to remember is as we're looking at these scandals, we are investigating Donald Trump with these, and I'm going to say it, these Soros financed prosecutors, Latita James for overvaluating his real estate. That's a joke. Georgia for a phone call where he said, I need to find 15,000. He didn't say, get me them. He just, in a context that there's a lot of fraud going on, you surely you can verify 15,000 votes and find the necessary margin. And they're going to try to impeach, uh, try to prosecute him for that. And then we have, of course, Alvin Bragg. Okay. Given all of that, here's the real scandal. In 2016, Jake Sullivan, who was working for Hillary Clinton and had a long relationship with Joe Biden, he, he was trying to become national security advisor, which he did do under Biden four years later. He was intricately involved with Sussman and all the rest of the people to try to promulgate and spread and disseminate this steel hoax. So he tried to affect an election by manipulating the work of a foreign, I guess we'd call him hire. It's against a lot of hire a foreign national on a campaign. And that fact must explain why Hillary Clinton transferred money with a DNC paywall, a Perkins Coie paywall, a Fusion GPS paywall. But Jake Sullivan was integral in those machinations. Now we fast forward four years. And as you said, this information comes out on the laptop. Hunter has lost, what, three laptops? And he leaves one with his uh, laptop repair person. The person sees it. It's shocking. He makes a copy, calls the authorities. The FBI puts a lid on it. And the FBI, who is hiring Twitter at $3 million a year as a, a contractor, sends the word out, and probably the CIA, that's other government agency that's mentioned in the Twitter archives, and they say squash it, and they spread the word around that incestuous group of bankrupt Silicon Valley grandees, and they squash the story. But that's not enough, squashing it, because it's leaking out through the New York Post. Miranda Devine special. Okay, so they go to the next step. And the next step is the former deputy director of the CIA, Mike Morale. He wants to get back to be CIA director, right? And Anthony Blinken is now working with Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan didn't get his national security post for all of the skullduggery he did with the dossier. So he's pivoting into the Biden campaign, and Anthony Blinken wants to be Secretary of State. 
So he calls up the former director of the CIA. I get the subtext is obvious. Would you like to be director of the CIA? But we don't know proof of that, but that's the subtext. And he says, can't you get your guys to, to say this is Russian disinformation? And morale then says, yeah, now he's testified that he did it so they could win the election, right? And so he calls up the two most corrupt people, I suppose, in Washington, both confess liars under oath. James Clapper, who, you know, lied and said, I gave the least untruthful answer when he was caught. And John Brennan lied about uh, surveilling Senate staff computers and collateral damage on drone assassination missions on the Pakistan border. And they said, yeah, and they get these 50 left-wing people and they all sign, but they have this little phony little caveat. Uh, it looks as if this is likely. In other words, they use the subjunctive and optative moods. So they can say, well, we didn't say it was, we just put it out there, you know, which is bogus because they all went on television and said the opposite. They said it was. And so now we know, thanks to Jim Jordan and these other Republicans, I think everybody owes them a debt of gratitude. People said, Kevin McCarthy's not up, he's up to the job. He's done a wonderful job. And these guys are really bringing things. And it's also a reflection just how bankrupt these Democratic representatives are. They were, they knew all this and they kept it quiet and snuffed and smothered because they controlled the subpoenas and the, and the majority of these committees. So now we're in this Orwellian situation. Think about it, where Trump is investigated for trying to influence an election when we know that Jake Sullivan did that with complete impunity in 2016, who is now the National Security Advisor and the Secretary of State did it in 2020. And according to a conservative poll, that fact of Russian disinformation was persuasive to a lot of independent voters who said, you know, if I had have known it was really Hunter's laptop and that stuff about Joe Biden was accurate, I wouldn't have voted for him. So that may have been much more likely to affect an election than anything Donald Trump did about a phone call because it didn't have any it didn't have any result at all i mean they didn't they didn't find the votes they didn't it had zero result these things did have a result so that's all half of it in that windy explanation then you bring up the irs and we have an irs whistleblower and of course whistleblowers remember uh Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, who corrected Devin Nunes when he said, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Vinman, sir. And uh, we now we know he's what an arms dealer who's trying to profit from his Ukrainian ties and get largesse from the federal government as the middleman to transfer the weaponry to. Right. It did is, he get a presidential medal of freedom? Also? Yes, he did. I think he did. I think he did. Shot. And he was the person who. Uh, communicated because he was on the phone call to the whistleblower. Remember the thing about the whistleblower, Eric Caramella? He had no knowledge at all of anything. He didn't hear anything. It had to come from Vinman. And then he and Vinman uh, corroborated, collaborated, I should say, with uh, Adam Schiff, who denied once again his one millionth lie and said he had no knowledge of this. And they cooked up the whole impeachment thing. And so this whistleblower now is public enemy number one. They've just gone from 
lionizing and deifying whistleblowers to say this is horrible. And he has says that he has information that shows that there was culpability on the Biden family. And by the way, Jack, it would be very easy to find out. All you'd have to do is get the brother and the niece and the sister and Hunter's and Joe's tax returns and then calibrate the subpoena their checking accounts and see the lifestyles they were living and see if the in income that they reported would substantiate or sustain that type of expenses. I don't think it would, given the, Joe's three homes that he the only time he ever made any money when he wasn't in government or was he's been in government for over half a century was just those that period from when he left 2017 until he was inaugurated right. 2021. I know that he tried to add, he was a, a grifter, but he couldn't have made all that money in just that small time. The, the point is that this whistleblower is trying to suggest that there was a file that was incriminating and it was making its way up through the federal prosecutorial levels and then it was stopped by an unnamed official who speculation said could be anybody, could not be anybody other than Merrick Garland. And then as you point out, this is a person who went under oath and assured everybody that he had no influence whatsoever, that these were independent trajectories. And if they found anything that the, the law would be followed in its fullness, and that's not true. So he basically, if this is true, then he, misled or lied to Congress under oath, and he's a Eric Holder wingman, so to speak, as Eric Holder said he was to Barack Obama. So I think this is very explosive, but there's a final wrinkle to it. About 60% of Democrats don't want him to run. And I think, given the Democratic cynicism, that there's going to be an effort in the party to allow this to go forward. And by that, I mean, there are going to be some grand deal in a year or six months from now where Joe quietly says he's not going to run. And then there's not going to be any charges uh, brought by Merrick Garland. It's my hunch because they, they, they can't win with him. Right. And uh, they can't win with him unless Trump is nominated and him reached for 18 months, which is their plan. Right. Yeah, but they're very worried because DeSantis, as you just mentioned, polls higher than does trump and this is well i i think i think i mentioned that before we went on and we're gonna we'll talk about that towards the end of the end of the program about the trump v desantis but uh yeah I, I, you know nothing's nothing is certain in this world politically but you do have biden de biden defeating trump in a poll but but biden losing to desantis in the same poll so yeah um so, Victor, anything about Blinken uh, and his uh, nefariousness uh, and any broader thoughts? We've talked a lot in these, uh, these past podcasts about, I, I, you about, know, I'm upset that he does stuff like this. Yeah. You've got to remember that this mentality, these people, there's a certain type of person who grows up in an affluent environment in the bicoastal areas and they feel i'm not just saying it's blinking it's all of them 
and they feel they have to go on the proper, what the Romans called the cursus and norm. You go to a good undergraduate, you go to graduate, then you start working with politics. You evolve into Wall Street or Silicon Valley. You make a lot of money and you define yourself getting into the highest levels of government. You fly overseas on a private plane. People, dignitaries meet you. You say things that people listen to, but it has nothing to do with confidence. Or nothing to do with, they don't care about that. Because this guy, Blinken and Sullivan, went to Anchorage in March 2021, and they sat there while the Chinese insulted them. They called them hypocrites. They said they were right. He didn't do anything. And then, you know, we had John Kirby just the other days talk about the logistical success. And if it was this, such a success, why are Blinken and, and Sullivan suggesting that it was Trump that did it? Why don't they say, well, it's a great success. John Kirby said, that's what we did. We got, we got everybody out of Afghanistan. We tried to do it on the 20th anniversary so we could have a 9-1-1 celebration, but, but they don't. They want it both ways. It was utter humiliation. It was the, I look at Afghanistan. Unfortunately, I don't, this pains me to something like the, the Battle of Manzikert where the Byzantines were obliterated and they never quite recovered in the mid-11th century, or the Battle of Mohawks for the Serbians. It's a tragedy, or it's Waterloo for Napoleon. We reached the peak point in American power, and that crystallized our decline. The very idea that psychologically, emotionally, materially, right. we would just run from a bunch of terrorists abandon our friends abandon americans get 13 people killed retaliate by hitting innocent civilians leave a billion dollar embassy leave a 300 million dollar retrofitted base 50 billion dollars of sophisticated weapons that are being disseminated all over the globe and then we had the audacity to call that a success and that, right. I think that was the nadir of American power, and we haven't recovered. I don't know. I mean, civilizationally, Rome, the Byzantines, every the Greeks, everybody has ups and downs. So we're, we're going to need a renaissance to get back up there. We right. did before with Reagan, but that renaissance only lasted 12 years. And then we went back to this quasi-socialist international right. globalism under Obama. Okay. And I don't, I don't know. It's... I'm very worried about the country because right. it's, it's, I feel like we're in a socialist revolution that we don't even know we're in. When you look at uh, this, just this week, these little insignificant tidbits that in California, they're going to add anywhere from 50 to $150 on your power bill, depending on your income with it, nothing to do with your actual usage. In other words, if you're, if you have a small business or you have a job and you make money, then you pay more. But if you're a complete failure and you fail, you pay less. And the same thing with Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, that your credit score hurts you. So right. you're, you're, I guess the logic is go out and declare bankruptcy a couple of times, screw people over, be a total mess like what caused the 2008 meltdown, then we'll give you a loan at cheaper interest. Scrimp and save. Don't buy a new car. Don't put a pool in your backyard, but make your mortgage payment regularly and get a good credit score and you know what you'll pay more for your that is socialism there's another Victor, article yeah, just, uh, I, uh, go ahead i'm just going to finish it there's a good article i think it's in city journal about the destruction 
of Jewish uh, participation in Ivy League schools. It's just shocking that based on the merit system, which was in reaction to prejudicial bias right. in the 40s and 50s with the the advent of the SAT and the rating of high schools to calibrate GPA and a pure merit system, then 3% of the population was up to 20% or more in, in these Ivy League schools. And that's just an anathema to diversity, equity, inclusion. And now they're going back, back, back. They're going to go down to almost nothing. Right. And it's, and it's weird because a, a university like Stanford has been bragging that they've investigated the uh, anti-Semitic bias in admissions of the 1940s and 50s. And they've been demonizing all these dead administrators. The present administrators are saying, oh, my God. But Stanford is very transparent. We're going to follow, we're going to apologize, and they're doing the same thing—the same thing that they're blasting the dead for doing. And so it's it's socialism. There's a university socialism. There's an electric power socialism, and there's socialism everywhere. We don't call it socialism. We call it reparations or redistribution or diversity, equity, inclusion. But it's basically taking things from one group of people and giving them to another by an elite that is never transparent because nobody would otherwise support this and they're never subject to the consequences of their own ideology. Victor, I, I was not trying to interrupt things before, I, except to add on a um, something else related to California. Let me tell you one thing about that and one thing about Ivy League. The, the California thing was, I saw some article about a Target store in San Francisco, and now absolutely everything is behind lock and key. <laughs> I, I, I would have thought, well, at that point, like Walmart in Chicago, which we talked about last week on, on one of the podcast episodes, it's just like, we're done. We're out of here. Uh, but uh, to see uh, commerce have to be, so you can buy a stick of gum, at Target in San Francisco without now someone having to unlock it. But that's just yeah. how, how, how decline. And the other thing about now on, on the Ivy League stuff, this is something I, I thought we maybe could have gotten to in some of the more recent episodes, but just we ran out of time. And this is a story. Here's the New York Post from last week. Yale blasted for hosting controversial French political activists accused of anti-Semitism during Passover. <laughs> so this is this woman was uh, uh, Hoira Budeldaja. She's uh, she's a French academic, and they invite her during Passover to attack Jews. This is Yale. So uh, on the on the uh, anti-Semitism. You know, this is very funny because not funny, but I don't quite understand. I know that the Jewish American vote has been going very slowly. Republican, and it's up to about 35% now. But what I don't understand is uh, if you identify, incidentally, even as a Jewish American person, you should realize that this entire diversity woke include, is aimed at you. And they get a complete pass uh, with anti-Semitic attacks on campus if the person is considered a protected marginalized person and it manifests itself in hate crimes because if you look at the two fbi statistics and they're again they don't like to report them and most law enforcement agencies now feel it's 
politically incorrect or on woke to, to send their data to the FBI. And I, I think in a year or two, they won't have any data. But of what we have most recently, the two groups that are being open season upon are Jews and Asians by other people of color, because the so-called white tyrannical majority is underrepresented as about 68% of the population it commits about 55 or 45% of the reported hate crime. And so what I'm getting at is at some point, Jewish Americans should realize that whether it's the hatred of Israel on campus, or it's the blatant anti-Semitism of people like Elian Omar or the Squad or Rashid, uh, another representative, Representative Presley, or whoever they are, Hank Johnson, all of these people, the Black Caucus expresses it all the time. And I mean, after all, Barack Obama had a smiling picture with the greatest anti-Semite of our age, Louis Farrakhan, that you're targeted by this particular group, this left-wing new Democratic Party, and it makes no sense unless you're just trying to give money for quid pro quo concessions, Solyndra-like concession, to give them any money, because you're fueling a monster that hates Jews. And I don't think they understand that. I, I, the, other, I'll, the other explanation is that we're now four or five generations into the Jewish diaspora, and there's an increasing number who are not uh, observant Jews intermarried or they feel that support for Israel is a career liability, whether you're in the media or government or um, academia. So they have divorced themselves from their quote unquote Jewishness, which is fine. I mean, I'm not Swedish. Just, I have divorced myself from my Swedishness in a way. And, or my grandfather, my other grandfather's Welshness. I, I don't, Identify. That's fine. But whatever it is, if you're a observant Jew and you see that you, you're proud of your Jewish heritage and you identify in various aspects with it, then you should realize that these, this new Democratic Party is not the party of Bill Clinton or JFK. It's warring against Jews and right. it's warring about denying them, uh, admission and giving their spots that they've earned to other people who haven't according to traditional criteria. It's manifested in hate crimes. It's manifested in interracial crimes and it's manifested uh, all over campuses. I mean, gosh, I walked from my apartment on Stanford to the Hoover Institution one day and I looked up and here were these posters all over campus about Ben Shapiro's visit and they had a can of raid, be gone, uh, be gone. Right. Be gone, Ben. I mean, it was really deliberately trying to channel the idea of gassing Jews by using bug spray pesticide. And after all, Saigon B was the precursor to organophosphate pesticides. Right. In fact, we, we expropriated a lot of the farben technology in the petrochemical industry in the 1940s and 50s. So those earlier things like para, you know, para right. ion, et cetera, were derivatives of Zygon. I used to spray stuff like that and it smelled pretty dangerous and deadly. But my point is that it, it's just fascinating how the Democratic Party wars on Asians, it wars on Jews, and uh, it's identified with the very, very wealthy, and yet they're able to, to have this veneer of progressivism when they're not, they're reactionary. They're neo-Confederate, and that's what's so strange about it.
So yeah, we can't uh, just oh keep. Uh, you, you, we'd have to represent the entire episode with uh, Victor Davis Hanson, and of course, he's just a fascinating intellectual. Academically, we have to take a uh, you know time to hear what he has to say. And so, you know, IG Farben, of course, one of the big, huge international conglomerates run by the Knights of Malta that was carefully not bombed, right? They, they would have the one, Cyclone B, or the gas that was industrial-scale gas that was used to exterminate so many uh, millions of unsuspecting Jewish people who thought they were going to their rescue, thought they were going to uh, places of safety. The trains were conducting them off to be, either be frozen to death uh, in the train cars or to be mass murdered by the, uh, you know, in the background, of course, was the, was the papal knights and the, the Germanic order, the Teutonic knights who were papal knights where, you know, that order was resurrected and, and re re-employed, I think at that, at that time. And you can see that their work to ultimately go out and exterminate Jews ahead of their their work to do a, a massive global industrial scale inquisition coming up here, as we'll see as the consequence of World War III. I think what was just um, regional at that time will become global and industrial scale. So we were like, we were saying just the, the power of the internationalist orders that are led and headed by the Knights of Malta and other papal knighthood orders were behind General Electric. GE was active at that time. With, with uh, you know helping Hitler, Ford, Ford Motor Vehicles, a lot of their motors and their parts were you know useful in. So it wasn't just the the Third Reich and Hitler's regime using the hyperinflation of the Weimar Republic and just bamboozling the people and totally using the, the terror of the communists to create uh, reactionary political extremism and national uh, national extremism, right? And it was also the industrial scale uh, use of the the world's economy and the world world at that time international conglomerate corporations like GE, General Electric, and IBM. Famously, IBM, their uh, large at the time uh, massive computing machines were used to uh, in the war effort by by Hitler, and you know IBM did business with them. So did uh, big banking outfits on Wall Street. Massive banking firms, Brown Brothers and Harriman, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, the, the Skull and Bones connection with big industry, CSS and C, uh, the coal. Uh, famously, Prescott Bush was involved with the, 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 the coal, industrial coal corporations at that time that, that were being brought together. And uh, what'd you say? Massive industrial mergers were brought to bear in order to will allow Hitler's rise in the war machine and the, you know, uh, Schacht, famously, Brother Schacht, another night of Malta, uh, his banking operations, uh, uh, Krupp, right? The famous, uh, you always see the elevators from Krupp. Well, their, their companies and their banking operations and their financial operations at the time were uh, helping Hitler. So you have to understand that this, this kind of move towards the, the ambitions of the international elite uh, when they when they come together in the effort to to destroy a system is what kind of what we're seeing here here in America. So with that, let's listen further to what uh, brother Steve Bannon is having to say, and hopefully he comes to see the light and recognizes that ultimately 
the Roman Catholic Church has left them behind in the absurd move towards uh, pantheism and and uh, moral relativism and the, the, the necessity of Roman esoteric occultism to universalize all religious systems into one and to invite all these absurd and depraved ideologies and transhuman transgender concepts into your you know once beloved church and you're now becoming liberal catholics and you're as you're expelled from the church and as the pope no longer you know allows you to you do the mass the way you want if you want to do the latin traditional mass all, all those kind of things you find yourself under the thumb of the that system is really the system that you have to obey whether you like it or not and so you know if they want to bring pakimara into the church and you know a bloody a goddess of a pagan Aztec and Incan and Mayan, you know, extraction. Uh, human sacrifice was her primary mode of operation and child sacrifice, I imagine, to this goddess. This, this vile, uh, fallen uh, idol worship from the South is put into your church. So you have to recognize that now you're Protestants. You now you become people who are protesting against a system of evil. And as Protestants, the word Protestant really comes from uh, the word protestare or pro-testament. In other words, we were we were standing on the word of God and on the testament and the word of faith. That's where we get solo scriptura and solo fides, right? We get this idea of only faith and only scripture from the, the one faith from that one scripture. And so we don't have a, a human fallible pope. And you can say that he's infallible and you can uh, chant in a big circle and, and wave incense around and you can wait to a high holy day and do a, a triple requiem mass, right? That's what got said for Hitler by the Spanish dictatorship. The Spanish dictatorship had um, went out of his way to to do a, a triple high requiem mass for for Catholic Roman Catholic brother Hitler. It's just a fact of history. And as we go forward, it's it's important that you you know made aware that the efforts during World War II and the efforts now are are have a religious or religio-cultic uh, ambitions behind them. So you've, now you find yourself, people like uh, Steve Bannon, uh, you need to repent from their old uh, associations with the Vatican and with that vile system and to come out, become part of the Church of Christ in the world out here with the rest of us believers. We're pro-Testament. We believe only in the Scripture. And we're Protestant because we're ultimately protesting against the, the the wickedness of the papacy, the Roman papacy. The pivot to Asia was the understanding, even by the people on the payroll of the CCP, that the CCP in East Asia, in the South China Sea, in the Straits of Malacca, and all of that were the centerpiece, the center of gravity of the 21st century, the geopolitics of the 21st century. Joe Biden was put in charge of that. That's why Biden brags all the time. How many, how many, he's got better personal relationship with she, she, all of it. The family specifically, and what you saw here today is unprecedented in American history. Will you actually lay out the trading of access at the highest levels of our government for cash money? for cash money. And you see the sophisticated nature of this 
They knew exactly what they were doing and they knew exactly how they were going to try to hide it. And as importantly, the freaking administrative state from Treasury to CIA to DOJ to FBI knew it all along, knew it all along and hid it. And when presented with the laptop from hell that gave some sort of summary, you could get into that, that I could tell instantaneously when Rudy Giuliani and Bob Costello called me up there in, I think, July of 2020 or early August of 2020, that they were bought and paid for by the Chinese Communist Party. And what this lays out is even a deeper thing now with Romania and Ukraine and all of it. It's all known. And Comer, this detailed presentation by guys like Biggs, you know, former, you can, this is in the first hundred days of what you're able to ring out. And they have fought this committee every step of the way. And now we know the CIA is involved directly in the 50, uh, 51 senior intelligence officers and executives and administrators and managers that said this was Russian disinformation. And this crystallizes the fight. This is why they must destroy Donald J. Trump. This is what that farce in New York City was yesterday. This is what's going to happen in Georgia. This is what's going to happen with Jack Smith. The Hill newspaper today says, the Democrats have a sinking feeling. Lead story on the Hill newspaper. Democrats have a sinking feeling. That sinking feeling is that Trump is not simply going to win, that Trump is going to return as commander in chief. He's going to return as chief magistrate. He's going to return as president of these United States with a movement that is ascendant. And oh, by the way, the Wall Street Journal reports your fellow countrymen in a poll, 50% of your fellow countrymen that have to live under the information warfare of the New York Times and the Washington Post and MSNBC and CNN nonstop, 50% of your countrymen said, we don't want to increase the barring limit. We don't fully understand this, but we know it's a scam and we want the Federal Reserve to stop printing money because we understand that's burying us. And this is why they must destroy Trump. What you saw today is a disgrace. And don't let me see Merrick Garland and, and, and Chris Ray and all these people up there, all this. They're all liars. And this takes us back to ancient history. This has happened before. This we have metastasized to something the founders warned us against. We broke off from an empire. We were never supposed to be an empire. We are a revolutionary power against empires. And we have become an imperial power. And just like every imperial power, a Praetorian guard sets in that runs the deal. And that deal is not affected by elections. And what you saw today with bank run, that's just the start of it.
In terms of, you know, a national security threat, um, this, all this type of activity, where do you rate the Chinese Communist Party on the scale of threats to Canada, to the U.S.? It is nowhere near the scope and scale of China. China adopted hybrid warfare and, and kind of took it to a new level. And that's the difference between, um, you know, Hezbollah, but they also work together. So this is this, is this um, coalition of, of nation states that are conducting hybrid warfare. And that, that permeates down, it it's involves organized crime, it involves the political leveraging. And so we see this connectivity at all levels between these different elements. The cartels, the Iranians, and the Chinese work together extensively in the region that I'm in, across Canada, throughout the United States, um, and those elements all work together. And the evidence is there. It's just a matter of trying to get um, people together to try and, and fight it. So one of the things I was very surprised to learn about, this is in the first chapter of the Mosaic Effect, is something called Operation Dragon Lord. And this was a U.S. operation looking at all sorts of infiltration in Canada and that it was posing a threat to the U.S. And this was 25 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, news to me, tell me about this. So the document that you're talking about was um, revealed to me a few years ago um, from an intelligence source. And it, um, it is a, an operation that follows a previous Canadian operation um, called Sidewinder. And Sidewinder was a classified report that was declassified and um, was revealed on the open internet. Uh, so this was an RCMP, so the, the federal police, working in conjunction with the CSIS, the, the intelligence agency within Canada. And that information talked about Chinese tycoons um, working with organized crime, the triads, in Canada, influencing um, political entities, uh, but also looking at critical infrastructure and business in Canada and how it was corrupting and influencing entities therein. Operation Dragon Lord was a multi-agency under the Department of Justice, uh, which included the FBI and the CIA and the NSA, looking into the threat that was posed by Canada um, to the United States because of this infiltration. And like you said, this was 25 years ago. This is quite some time ago. This is, you know, this is remarkable. It's never been discussed before. Um, the fact that the United States was looking at Canada as this major national security threat. And what's happening there has, has been progressing for 25 years. We have complete saturation in Canada of, of these elements in every aspect of our business, our critical infrastructure, uh, law enforcement. It's in, in every aspect of our business, our critical infrastructure, uh, law enforcement. It's in everything that we're doing right now. And it does pose a significant threat to the United States. And the United States, uh, as we see now, is looking at decoupling from China. And this, this uh, political interference piece that we see uh, being raised in Ottawa uh, from this leak has now stirred this all up again. And we're revisiting things that we saw 25 years ago um, and that I've been trying to, you know, raise awareness about and gain traction on for at least the last five years. What does it mean, achieved saturation? That, that sounds like this feels very like a very strong...